Welcome everyone. We're about to begin Bessus Hashem, BPJ number 24. That's Bias Panimi, joint group number 24. Um, one way of overcoming the barriers that hold back healthy physical intimacy from couples, which even in good marriages and even with uh, things that are going Baruch Hashem well, still there are many barriers, one of them being uh, stress which we talked about and how to overcome that. And part of that stress or part of, even when not under great stress, things that hold back physical intimacy between a husband and a wife is the transition of the what happens during the course of the day from all those multitasking that you have to do in your brain, um, by whether at work, whether taking care of the kids at home, and then to transition from that to a point of a certain calmness and a slowing of the multitasking aspects of the brain and relaxing and getting to a point where you could connect that way sometimes is a challenge. And we're going to talk about ways how to overcome this challenge. This challenge actually is more prevalent and more difficult for women than for men overall. I'm talking generally speaking, but like we said many times, generalities, they may not be true in in all instances or in even many instances, but generalities give you a clear majority truth that has a lot of truth to it. So we're going to talk about it, what's stereotypical, but stereotypical uh, um, really applies to to most uh, you know to most people that in most situations by men it's a little easier to do this um, that because they their brains are more that they work in sort of boxes or carp, uh, uh, compartments they have the they have the work box they have the learning box the davening box and then you know when it comes time for intimacy they'll have that uh, intimacy physical intimacy sex box you know they know how to carp- compartmentalize in a in a in a way that that's doesn't mean by the way that they're not whole doesn't mean that they're not uh but men do that have have that natural ability to to focus on one thing and then on the other and then the other by the way, this is one of the reasons why a father is 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 extremely important figure in in a child's um, you know life, but he he very often it, it's not so easy to hyper focus on because he's on one box, and he, you know that's where mothers and women come along. Their brains are totally different. This is biological and it's been studied that they they are more multitasking more thinking about many scenarios at once. And that is why they have a certain knack as mothers to handle young children and juggle all these different aspects at one time. So by men, it's somewhat easier, generally speaking, to move from the hectic work week or hectic work day or learning day or whatever else you're doing, and then transition when it's time to be intimate and physically connected that he, he has the ability to make that switch more easily than a woman is, generally speaking. Now, these days, it's probably harder for men than in previous generations because you do have this Nisayan with technology. Because of the technology um, and being cooked with it, 
the men also are, are in this multitasking mode or moving from thing to thing to thing, and he also has these struggles. But with women, it's much more difficult. Um, and to learn to transition that brain from what's going on the whole day, taking care of the kids, preparing the supper, or working whatever you're working and taking care of everything, and then to switch that off and to live in the moment, to enjoy the present moment, and to embrace what's going on right now, um, that is a challenge, but that's something that needs work to work through. And um, because they feel guilty about things and they're in, the thoughts intermingled with many, many things and it's tiring and, 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 and it can be draining and, 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 it's, and it's, it's a normal thing. And it's harder to respond sexually when this multitasking aspect is in the brain. And um, so that's a very important thing to understand with the natures of men and the natures of women and the difference between the two and how, generally speaking, women need more help on their own with their own efforts and with the help of their husbands to calm their brains down, to transition from the time I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do laundry, I have to do this and that, to, the, to, to transition to the point where they could relax and calm down and let go of those things for the rest of the night and um, and rest, take a shower, and, and relax to get to a point where they could um, get get to that point. And that makes sense a lot of times with therapists say, you know, this happens a lot where it's puzzling because, for example, two nights ago they could have had a physically intimate, uh, uh, you know, connection, a husband and a wife, and the husband you know, engaged with everything, and the wife was ecstatic with everything that he did. And two nights later, he's doing pretty much and saying and behaving the same way, same loving way, and same connected way, and instead of being ecstatic like she was two nights ago, it's more like the feeling of, let's get over with this already, because the truth is, it's not about what he's doing or not doing, it's the same. It's rather the thought process in, in, in the wife's mind, based on the circum circumstances, is different. Could be two nights ago, she was rested, and she actually was able to um, slow down that multitasking part of her brain and relax and be in a better mood. And tonight, she's tired, and she's more tense, and she's thinking about many different things, so it's understandable. And the, we, pay, we, we need to learn to pay attention uh, and take care of our bodies, and to focus on the relaxing, non-judgmental aspects beforehand, and to get to the moat where where we, you could physically connect. And we had this Rivka Sidorsky, the recording, and others give suggestions about meditation, about listening to slow music, about reading a book for a half hour beforehand after taking a shower, and slowing down on the phone calls and, and the technology, and all that, because it takes time. It takes time to unwind. And again, what the husband could do is to help her with those tasks and whatever those teardis are and to help her finish it quicker so she should get into that relaxing mode earlier where they could connect, that is definitely a good suggestion that would help greatly uh, between the couple. And, the, and also, just to bring a general idea, is people get frustrated, couples, men and women, because their bodies work so differently from one another. And... Um, because, again, I'm talking, say, generally speaking, 
as an example, for a man to get aroused and have an erection and get be fully there sexually, it takes him pretty much between two and five minutes. For a woman, generally speaking, it would take between 20 and 30 minutes to get to that point. And, and you know, it varies, but I'm just giving, a, again, that generalization, which is a true generalization. And, and that disconnect is there. People get frustrated with it, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu put it there for a purpose. Well, let me explain. The idea being is like this, that if, let's say, Hashem would have made that the man and woman would be exactly aroused equally, the same time that it takes, and everything exactly the same. So they would have, the physical sex would come much easier, but that's what it would be. It would be purely physical. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want it to be purely physical. Like we said always, we mentioned this many times, there are three primary components there's the physical aspect, there's the emotional aspect, and even a spiritual aspect. And Hashem wants them all to be together, fused as a whole. The physical is extremely important. But because it's not only physical, that's why Hashem didn't design it, that you have two equally calibrated bodies getting aroused at the same time, and, and that's it. If, if it would just be for that purpose, and then Hashem would have made it that way. But He didn't. And and one of the reasons it's, it's pretty clear is that because they're timelines are different. Man gets aroused and ready within two minutes. A woman needs 20 minutes or so on and so forth, generally speaking. it's The idea is here, Hashem is basically saying in a nice way that he doesn't want the sex to end with his orgasm or his getting totally ready. And on her end also to, to, to take that time and to connect in order to do this, you have to actually put in work and effort. Where he could learn to delay that, or in some situations, there's a first interaction where, you know, it, it goes quicker, and 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 then there's a second interaction where you give then then you give special time to your wife, and 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 you continue on. And the idea behind it is is because they're different this way, they accommodate. He learns to delay, and to and to acclimate. And she also, and they work with each other, with their natures, the different natures pertaining to their own sexual uh, ideas and how it works. And this requires trust and being vulnerable and feeling safe. And that mutual trust is very, very important. Because if you don't have that trust when you have a physical intimacy, that physical intimacy will be very strained. Very often, like, 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 um, this Rivka Sadorsky brought down and others, it's so, so true that because um, physical intimacy is so personal, so deeply personal, it requires that they both hit a level where they both fully trust each other, they feel safe with one another, they feel vulnerable, and they allow themselves to feel vul- vulnerable. And by doing that, they allow themselves to let go, Right? Someone put it this way, you know, it's not the nicest way to put it, but there's some truth to it, so I'll just quote it, that you can't be a control freak and enjoy sex. You can't be totally in, you know, you know, in, there's a passion there. There's a passion and there's, uh, uh, let's put it bluntly, there's body fluids. It's not exactly the most pristine thing. It's not like when, uh, you know, every hair is in place and you're, 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 you're dressed like with, with a certain dignified, you know, type of manner. That's not what 
sex is about. It's more wild, it's more passionate, it's more being your real self and letting go of certain inhibitions that you have. And in order to do that, you don't just do that with anybody, and even with your own wife or husband, it requires a certain letting go and a certain trust. If you did, That's the idea of, by the way, the outside-the-bedroom aspects that tremendously help the inside-the-bedroom aspects of marriage. Because the outside-the-bedroom aspects of friendship, of loyalty, of respect, of helping each other all the time, and being a team and connecting, what you're doing there is you're building that trust. As you're building that trust outside the bedroom, that's where it influences inside the bedroom also, that I'm not judging you. I'm not judgmental. I don't care about uh, this body part this way, that way, the other way. You look this way, that way. I love you for the way you are, and I'm completely accepting for the way you are, and it goes both ways. That's when great sex can actually happen. When you try to control it, it'll never be great. You overthink it, it'll never be great. This idea of letting go. Letting go, and again, I, I believe that's what it means a lot of times in the Svarim, where it's brought down that, you know, the Chazaynish used the word kalas. Again, I can't say, and I'm saying a disclaimer, I, I, there's no way for me to know that that's what he meant. But I'm just saying the concept, though, is true. There's a kalas roish, which is a very negative thing, which is frivolity in, an, in a vulgar way. And then there's a, something called a kalas, which is a lightness not a strictness, a certain um, happiness, a certain freedom, a certain not tame, a certain passion. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put it also, a, a secular person put it this way, and again, it's not the, the, the most, um, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you put terminology in words that are very direct, it really will stick and you'll understand the concept behind it very clearly. Like we just said, you can't be a control freak and enjoy sex. Obviously, that's not the best wording to use, but the, but the truth of it is there, that you, the trust and vulnerability and feeling safe allows you to, to let go of certain unhealthy controls and allow you to express yourselves, both of you, sexually in the healthy way that it's meant to be. And another expression, which I'm going to say now, is that hot and holy at the same time is what it's supposed to be. It seems like it's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a contradiction. Again, you know, hot meaning sexually very stimulated during the time of physical intimacy and being very attractive and very um, ag- aggressive in the sexual realm in the bedroom and holy don't seem to align with one another. People find it in that view that it's, it's, a, it's a stira. It's not a stira. And this is what we're trying to emphasize. And we have tried to emphasize from the beginning that don't say that because the outside culture twisted it all around and made it all superficial or mostly physical or, or, or with warped type of emotion and in an unhealthy way that their vision of whatever hot is supposed to be is, is the worst of the worst uh, that shouldn't take away that what they do is their business, but again, they can't rob sexuality that's given in the Torah-based Jewish home what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants because of their nonsense. We have to take it w- the way it's supposed to be and use it the right way, but not to go to the opposite extreme of something it's not meant to be. It's meant to be hot and holy at the same time. A certain passion. It's hard to wrap your head around it. Especially if, you know, you know, in some cultures or it's brought down, whatever it is, people 
talk about, but this is the way it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be with a tremendous amount of excitement, passion, hischachus, and getting yourself to that point. But again, it's very, very important to realize that, um, like, like, like this Rivka Sidorsky said and others said, to let go of the unrealistic expectations at the same time. Again, we're talking one way, but then you have to remember the other, uh, other way too. It's regular life. It's not always going to look the same. It's not always going to be the same. There'll be off nights where, what I mean off nights is, is not just, sometimes they will schedule it and it'll be okay and it won't be great. And that's the way it is. And in other times, it'll be better. The idea is not perfection. And the idea is not all or nothing either. The idea is is working towards it together. And like everything else, it's a matanam and a shemayim too. It's something to ask for, to ask the Shemaya for. You know, one of the things that's brought down that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there was a sefer, the first Hasidish sefer that ever was printed, I believe, was the Taldus Yaakov Yosef. Which was the 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 sefer by the Talmud uh, of the Balshemtiv? That was the first Hasidish sefer ever post uh, printed. The second one was Tzavoa Sarivash, which is a smaller sefer, and um, it was the second sefer to be published. It's sayings of the Balshemtiv. It wasn't a Tzavoa, even though the word Tzavoa is there. The Tanya says that explains that. It was just things he said that was probably in Yiddish and other things that his Talmidim wrote down, and then. In, 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 in some of the Hakdamas of that Sefer, it explains why, you know, the, 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 the Jewish world that were not Hasidish took alarm to the, 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 the you know, the, the Tzavas Baal Shem Tev and, and had issues with it. And we're not going to go into the whole history, history of it. And there were a few ideas behind it. I'm not going to get into it because that's not the sheer for now. But one of the aspects is that he writes there. And the truth is, it's not him. It's not the Baal Shem Tev. Everything the Baal Shem Tev said was, was from Moshe Messinai. It's just what Torah is emphasized and not emphasized. And, and uh, what he's saying is actually, you see it in desire all over in desire, comparing Shemayna Esra to Zivag, comparing to Tefillah to Zivag, Mamish Kamat the same, puts it exa- in pretty much in the same terms, which again is something, if you separate the physical and the spiritual, it's the most... Uh, sacrilegious thing in many minds to say. You're comparing physical sex to Shemayna Esrei when you're talking to the Melech Malchi and Lacham HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What, what, do you, what, what is this? But the truth be told, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a guf and an neshama together of a yid, like the Kutzka said, he wants you to be holy men or holy human beings, not Malachim. He wants your guf and your neshama to be aligned. So therefore, you use your body in the way you're supposed to use it, and there's two methodologies. One is indeed precious. People go like like with the opposite to deny the body of its normal, regular pleasures. But generally speaking, the healthy aspect of a yid is not to do that. On one hand, being careful not to overindulge, to be mekayim a certain precious in certain levels, which is not the 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 the, the point of Ashir right now. What how to go about that? But to enjoy it, when you enjoy the food, have a karas But the thing is, you make a bracha before, you make a bracha for a bracha afterwards, or bracha samazim with kavani. You thank Hakadosh Baruch Hu a karas for the food, but you enjoy it. 
and especially Shabbos, Einik Shabbos, the covet Shabbos. The same thing applies with the sexual ideas. So there's a connection between Zivik and Tzvila. The Baal Shem Tev says a befeish in Tzvila's Baal Shem Tev. It's brought down desire in many, many places. One of those concepts that you could equivalent between the two is the idea of the way it works sometimes in Tzvila, where people ask very often, what do I do? I don't always have a chiyas in tefillah. How do I do that? And the idea behind it is, is that that's an avoidas matana. You do your yagiyah, you do your avoidah, you do everything you can, you know, with the hachana and learning about it, or whatever you do with your techniques and on in, enhancing your tefillah, especially Yishmai Nasrei. And sometimes you'll feel this iris. Sometimes you won't feel this iris. And sometimes it's a matana. Hashem will give you a certain wave of a certain beautiful Ahava during that Shemayin the where it goes like unbelievable, like you didn't have in the Shemayin for that in that, that way for such a long time, and you feel truly, truly connected to Hashem, and there'll be other days where you'll feel less connected, but you're as, like an Evan Neman, you're, you're, you love Hashem, and, and you're, whether you feel it f- strongly or not, you're davening Shemayin and you're connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and sometimes Hashem gives you Matana, and it flows beautifully, and you feel everything. Same thing with the feeling in Sha- every Shabbos, ups and downs with Shabbos. Like we said before, even Siddharim. Some nights, some years, the Siddharim are like you're on the highest of the high. Others, because of other frustrations, other things, it's, you know, down a notch. But you know not to have Chalisha Sadas. You're connecting to HaKadosh Baruch regardless. Same thing with Nila and Kippur. Two years ago, I was on such a high, and now I, I can barely, you know, I, I couldn't concentrate what's going on. No chalisha sadas. It's a heilige and kipper, and this is what Hashem wants, and you connect. And with physical intimacy, the same mahalach works. A couple just needs to do their shtadlis to work together, to work together as Hashem Shemayim as possible, to feel safe with one another, to trust one another, to work on the outside the bedroom behaviors to um, generate that trust and to generate that vulnerability, allowing for that and the safety, and then trying your best to do these exercises that we said about relaxing and turning off that multitasking brain to sort of sort of get yourself into that relaxed mode. And sometimes it will work beautifully, sometimes it will work less so. But the idea is it's all Avaidas Hashem and you're doing something very, very positive. Don't think that that because you tried your best and you tried to get together and either one or both of you were tired or didn't exactly work that night that well, no chalisha sadas. You're doing the Ratzon Hashem, you're trying to connect, and you never give up on that. You never give up on any aspect of the marriage, outside or inside the bedroom, but inside the bedroom, you never give up on it. Like we said, if you need outside help, you get outside help in the right way, but you don't give up on that aspect, and you keep on trying. And You know, people think, you're saying, well, what do you mean, you're talking about hot and holy sex, habol attire. Is that habol attire? Yes, it's habol attire. By a Jewish couple, a husband and a wife, that love each other, and try to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu the best way they can, and they try to daven as best as they could, and they keep Shabbos as best as they could. Yes, to have hot and holy sex, that's habol attire. You're giving yourself a tahara, by enjoying it, giving pleasure to each other, by giving to each other, by trying and meaning as a goal to allow that trust level. And if there's an issue with the trust level, work through it. 
Work through it on your own. Work through it if you need outside help. But get to the point where you get to the point where you love each other, you trust each other, and you get comfortable with your own sexuality. Like he says, being comfortable with your own sexuality for your own purpose, solely towards your soulmate, your husband and wife, is a healthy thing in the right time, in the right place, like everything else. And when we were signed this year, again, because we're talking a lot about this subject, I'm stating the obvious that this goes in tandem with all the shiurim that are given on aspects of shalom bias that are not connected to the bedroom and are connected with all the other aspects of marriage that require equal amount of attention. But this requires at least that equal amount of attention, and it's very important. And again, you daven for it, and you do your best that you can. You help each other with towards that evenings, whatever you, between each couple, it's on its own when they're scheduling something like this. And she talked about how sometimes the scheduling helps because then you have less pressure on the initiation of who, yeah, who, no. Uh, you know, at some point you, you develop your own language and that comes naturally too and it gets easier. When one initiates and the other one responds, that gets easier over time. But the scheduling does take away a lot of that, uh, you know, heavy thing, you know, oil for some people, but you schedule, and during those nights that you know, then you the husband helps the wife to lo, you know lessen her burden, to allow her to relax, she allowing him to relax, and do your best you can to get to that mode where you connect together that way. Bracha natzlacha.